Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. This is our second part of our discussion with our guest, Donnie Williams. He is back. Thank you, Donnie, for joining us again. Hello, hello. We are so excited to have you with us. And uh, for those of you that have listened all the way through, Donnie joined us uh, sometime late last year, and uh, we got to hear his personal story. But we really wanted to dig in more deeply and find out about what it was like growing up as an African-American Christian man in this nation. And then, Jed, you had a chance to share some of your thoughts as a real, I would say, just a white evangelical Christian in America. I'm the, the Jewish guy in, the, in the, the narrative here, so I'm, I'm kind of hosting this discussion. But we, care, we all care deeply about the kingdom of God. And uh, we hit on some really important um, issues that um, I want to just highlight for our listeners. And the first one that that kind of comes to mind, Jed, is that you mentioned that you really didn't know all of the history of America, that there was a history there that came to you through a movie that you watched and you were in tears and you didn't, you didn't know before that about the plight of other people, African-American people in this nation. So I think that's a really important part for us to, to really dig in and hone in on is the fact that as Christians, and I said this at the end of the last episode, we are to seek truth, even if it's dark truth. I mean, the, the Bible says that all things will be exposed. If there's anything that is in darkness, it will be brought into the light. It will be exposed. God is going to expose everything. But he doesn't do it just randomly. He does it with intentionality, right? Because if we're exposing things uh, that are dark, in other words, sins of the past, there's a purpose for wanting to expose them. And I think that that's what we want to talk about today. What is our purpose as Christians and the mantle and the word of reconciliation that God has given to us, to the church, to, to bring healing to this nation, ones that join people together as the family of God and not to be part of uh, further division. You know, we don't want to be complicit in things that are wrong. In other words, participating. We also don't want to be complacent and lazy about not addressing problems that are going on in America. And there are problems going on in America, and there are problems that are going on with the American church. The, the other thought that, that I had was along the lines of, how does this all build towards the kingdom? And you started talking, Jed, about the one new man, and how really we in Christ are one new humanity. But what is our calling is in, in bringing us together, the church in America, and bringing that kind of healing what are we doing for the kingdom? How are we advancing the kingdom? How do we live in this nation as Americans and, you know, bring the family of God together, seeking the kingdom of God, which is about the restoration of Israel and ultimately the restoration of all the nations, including this nation. Now, let me start with you, Jed, and have you kind of open up and share about that. Well, as we, as we think about our, our identity and calling as, as Christians, over and over and over again, we're called to, be, to maintain unity, the bond of affection, oneness. But you look at the reality on the ground of the black church and the white church. We're not together. Why, well, let me ask you this question. Why is there a black church 
Why is there a white church? Why would there be an Asian church? Why would there be a First Nations church? Well, the black church exists because the white believers at the time refused to worship with them. So black believers formed their own denominations, their own worship expressions, their own African-American space to worship Jesus. As believers, if we're looking at what, it, what was God's heart and call for America, would be that we would be together as the family. But believers chose not to walk that out. White believers rejected those that are made in God's image. And that's really the sin issue of racism is a, it's a violation and a denigration of the beauty of the, of the image of God in another human being. And so the gospel, that's why this is antithetical. And that's why James, for example, would say, how could you worship God with, and sp- speak all these beautiful words to God, but then tear your brother down with the same mouth? Pure water and bitter water can't come out of the same well. That's a spiritual problem of hypocrisy. And so we can't worship God who made all human beings and then mar the image of God in another ethnicity and think that we're still somehow pleasing God by doing that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, go ahead, Donnie. In addition to that, we can't put all the responsibility on the white church as to the division too. Because historically, there were, there were blacks that believed that blacks could not grow, could not progress, and could not, let's just say, have wealth, power, an amount of wealth or power, along with their white brothers and sisters. I mean, that is a reality that, that, needs, that, that, that most black churches need to take responsibility for. So not only did the white, not only did some white Believers did not want to worship with blacks, but blacks did not want to worship with whites because they believed that the mixing of those two races together would not solve the black problem. Well, I want to take it actually even a little bit um, deeper because, um, Jed, you started hitting on an important issue, which is that you're exposing that there were some policies or actions or behaviors that came from white people and white Christian people probably included in that, that caused enforced segregation. And then, Donnie, you're responding from the black community saying, well, we also participated in helping to be part of the segregation. In terms of reconciliation and healing, and, and I believe that you can't have healing until you have reconciliation. Healing is an outcome. It's a product of the reconciliation. I think there are two things that actually are required in order to have reconciliation. And the first, I think, is, is humility that leads to repentance. And I think that the other is humility that leads to forgiveness. I really want us to dig into the heart of reconciliation. How do we approach these issues? And how do we approach them both in terms of humility leading to forgiveness, humility leading to repentance? I I just want to maybe just tell a story, a testimony of John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of reconciliation. It's actually a great story of justice coming forth through believers. So we all, I think, are familiar a little bit with the story of John Newton is a slaver. 
he runs ships filled with African slaves to make a profit. It's mm-hmm. human trafficking. He's, he's a man of the world. He's greedy for wealth. And he is looking at other human beings as less than himself. And they're just property. He has an encounter with the living God that absolutely transforms his heart. He becomes a wild man for Jesus to the point where uh, some believers were, were struggling even to relate to him publicly because he's speaking out against the culture mm-hmm. of his day. But William Wilberforce is connected to John Newton and their friends. And actually, John Newton is teaching William Wilberforce. Mm. William Wilberforce wants to go into ministry. He's pivoted between going into ministry or going into the government work. Mm-hmm. as a member of parliament, and he feels God's call to go into the government. William Wilberforce is there, then used by God as a spokesman, an abolitionist, to overturn some unjust laws that are, that are legally oppressing people in the worst possible conditions. And so if we just follow the connections, right? God chose a slaver who individually encounters the power of the cross repents, comes into a a relationship with God, and then turns against the system that he was part of. Mm. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is persecuting Christians, and then God flips the story, and the persecutor becomes an evangelist extraordinaire. The slaver becomes this impassioned, radical voice against slavery, and then is discipling and teaching a vessel that God then uses in a government system over 20 years of lobbying to overturn an unjust, unjust laws on the books in England. I think that's an example of how the power of the gospel can get a hold of a person's heart and transform them and that they can become a vessel that God can use to bring some justice, a measure of justice into the world that affects the conditions of, that other people are living in. Although we can uphold William Wilberforce as this amazing inspirational story, and he is, and God used him, the, the plight, my point in saying this is, the stain of sin is still within humanity, and we are still selling the bodies of men and women. And so this is something that is systemic. And so we have to be, a, we have to be difference makers, we have to be peacemakers, and to pursue justice according to the way that God defines it, to define humanity the way that God defines it, to see each other as God sees us. And our own flesh and the world is diametrically set against those perspectives. And that's what we have to understand about education is that we've been taught and conditioned to view the world and one another diametrically opposed to the way that God sees us and values us. And we have to come out from that system and enter into God's ways as disciples. And that's the heart of reconciliation is that by doing that, by becoming transformed through the gospel as individuals, we can then relate to one another in a new, in a new way, the way of love. Nothing perfect can be redeemed. Hmm. And so we see both, if you will, I hate to say this, but both sides that have the ability to receive the redemptive love and the redemptive power of God, that, 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 that both, if you will, African-Americans can be redeemed from their poverty, can be redeemed from many of the 
disparities they experience on a daily basis. White people, if you will, can be redeemed from pride, can be redeemed from greed. One of the things I believe the Lord said to me a while ago in reference to equality, he said, true love is when you lay down your life for your brother. Like that's the word of God. And so are we willing as believers in the body of Christ in the United States to lay down our lives, our jobs, our families, our self-interest mainly, mainly our self-interest for our brothers who are starving, for our sisters who are clothless, who are jobless, who are hurting, who have no direction, who need resources, who need things that others may have had. And so I had an attitude and I'll be totally honest and transparent. I said, no white man can ever teach me about that scripture. What is true love? Unless you're willing to lay down your privilege for me. And it's not reparations, no. But can I receive the same consequence for a crime as another person who is of another different skin complexion or color? Mm -hmm. When will that day come? And so, as we reconcile, as we heal and restore, we really have to take another look at, if you will, what true love is based on the love of Jesus Christ as a, as a, body, of, as a body of Christ. Well, you, you hit on a really important point, Donnie, that I want to just drill down. And that is, um, you know, a lot of people really don't understand the command. And it's actually a new commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. And I think a lot of times they compare it to the, the old covenant and they say, oh, you know, the golden rule, you know, don't do unto others as you don't want them to do to you. Treat others, you know, with the same love that you want them to return to you and so on. So it's kind of that golden rule that many, many Christians and many Americans live by. And it's not a bad rule. It's just that Jesus actually gave us a new commandment. And the new commandment actually raises the bar quite a bit because he didn't say, to love your neighbor as yourself. He actually said to love your brother with a greater love than you have for your own flesh. In other words, no greater gift of no greater measure of love, right? That a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he wasn't just speaking of himself in, in that statement. He was because he was going to the cross, but he was actually telling us that the measure of your love will be essentially quantified by your willingness to sacrifice your own flesh. Mm. That's what he said. And, and, and he said, they'll know that you are my disciples by that kind of love that you display and demonstrate towards each other. So, and Paul said to esteem others more highly than yourself. And so clearly we know that as a, a calling and a command from Jesus himself. Well, and, and Paul, well, the Holy Spirit through Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 goes so far as to say, if you don't have this love, mm -hmm you're a clanging gong and a noisy symbol right. in the world. And you can give your body to be burned, but if you don't have this love, that profits you nothing. And so when you come back, when you, when you walk back, what, what, what Jesus is saying is it's not just love, love your brother, it's love your enemies, mm -hmm. love those that persecute you. He wants us to be like him, to love like him, 
to see others like him. And so God doesn't just say, go to any Gentile's house, Peter. He says, go to your oppressor's house, Mm -hmm. Peter, because while you were an enemy, Peter, I came to your house. And that's what he says to Jed. Jed, you're, you were an enemy of God, but I, I loved you. I died for you. He's always bringing us back to our own indebtedness to his love and grace. Well, none of us deserve Jesus. We don't deserve mercy. We don't deserve his grace. And yet he freely gave. Therefore, how can we withhold love from any people group? So you're hitting, you're hitting on the, the very um, issues, the two issues that I brought up just a few minutes ago, which is that we need, we need humility, mm. right? We need humility in the body of Christ that leads us to both repentance, in other words, to acknowledge, it's, it's going back to the education again, and digging into the dark past to say, we acknowledge, we recognize the pain that you feel as a, as a First Nations people. Mm. We recognize the pain that you feel as an African-American. We recognize the pain that you feel as a Jewish person that has experienced anti-Semitism in America. We recognize the pain that you feel as an Asian, a Japanese, for example, that was encamped uh, in, in encampments during World War II. We recognize and acknowledge your pain. We also acknowledged the, we acknowledge the wrongdoing. And we are humbly repentant for those actions of the past. And we are repentant for being complicit. And we're repentant for being complacent. But then, Donnie, I want to turn this to you because I think this is an important part uh, that I want you to really touch on. And that's the forgiveness piece. Because there's so much woundedness in the African-American community. And I've, you know, I've ministered in so many churches. And I feel it, the pain but it comes through, I think in some ways the wrong way. I mean, there is definitely, I, what I feel is like, there is like, they hurt us. We're the victims and there's a victim attitude and culture that they still live with. And I see that in the Jewish community as well, especially over the Holocaust. But because of that victim mentality and the, the continuation of impoverished conditions that many African-Americans, I think, live in in America, there's an anger. And I think there is a spirit of unforgiveness, and I'd like you to talk about that. Well, I'll, I'll first I'll first say that it's interesting because when we were talking about love, you know, First Corinthians thirteen also talks about how love doesn't give an account, mm. right? <laughs> and I was listening to what you were saying, and you were saying that I want to recognize what has been done. That was kind of like your phrase, and giving recognition to some things. So I wonder at what point was Peter and Cornelius interact and and the bible doesn't show us this but at what point was there a reckoning uh, uh, uh let's just say a identification of let's just say past hurts past deeds and and what was happening presently within that within their context i i i mean I, we don't read we don't the read narrative it. right that's my point but we know that peter was already reluctant to go to cornelius's house but his heart was softened and he has the vision and he makes a very powerful statement. He says, I should not call any man unclean, especially one that God has made clean. And so there's, there's that point, I think, of, of humility that comes over Peter. And maybe God himself even brought his own spirit of humility over Peter, humbled his heart so that all of those past things that the Romans did against the Jewish people 
were just kind of washed away in that moment of, you know what? God sees this man as clean, and I'm not going to call the Gentiles unclean. So going back to the question I asked you, Donnie, because, you know, I think that the, the key that we've been touching on here is that we need a spirit of humility, but we also need to be willing to acknowledge um, past wrongdoings and, and repent of that. But reconciliation can't happen unless both parties, the wounded party, acknowledges and is willing to forgive the offense. Because, you know, and I, I think you pointed on this earlier, Jed, that we were not deserving of God's mercy and grace when he died for us on the cross. But it says, as you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he was willing to extend his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness to us, even before we acknowledged our wrongdoings, right? That he was willing to offer that. And then all he required in response was us to acknowledge our sinfulness and our sinful nature and our need for a savior. But getting back to the, you know, the African-American church, I mean, Jesus also made some pretty powerful statements about if you do not forgive your brother, my heavenly father will not forgive you either. How much of unforgiveness is, is hurting the African-American church? I think a, a big part, and I'm, I'm going to answer this, and I hope this really helps many, many people. I think the African-American church is still dealing with its hurts because African-Americans that are believers have to look at what's keeping them oppressed on a daily basis. So for the African-American church to forgive and forget or forget and forgive, it's kind of difficult mm-hmm. and probably will continue to take some time and maybe some years that I don't know if that will happen as soon as we want it. And I would also argue that probably the African-American church has forgiven. And what you may be sensing is maybe a misunderstanding between forgiveness and dealing with hurt and pain Mm. and grief amongst with depression amongst with so much psychological um, impact from what has happened. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're right. I mean, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of Christian leaders have uh, gone through a process of forgiving, but you're still, it's interesting, you know, when when we've all gone through this, okay, I forgive this person for hurting me, but then the pain doesn't just disappear in that moment, right? It's, Imagine it, a rape victim. Right, exactly. Like, or, or anybody that's been wronged by for anything and it, it, you forgive them, but the pain is still, still there. there for a long, long time. So God has to take us through a time of, of healing. healing. So, right. I want to I respond to what you said, Donnie, just as a white guy and, and say this, we, we need empathy. We need to be able to understand somebody else's perspective that, you know, and I think we struggle with that in America because we're hyper individualistic. And so I think there's this dynamic of like, there's a crude, simple math that takes place in some conversations I've had with white contemporaries where, well, we've had a black president. We're not, we don't have a problem with racism. And I'm like, you know, I'm listening and, and hearing like there, there, there's an inability to identify with the experience of another person that doesn't look like you. And I think there, there's, there's two Americas. Mm. There's a white America and there's a people of color America. And, 
And I think we need to, to wrestle with that truth of saying, you know, Donnie's testimony as my black brother, as a, as a white believer in Jesus, I need to listen to Donnie's experience. And even though I haven't experienced it, it's real for Donnie. And that takes empathy. That takes a willingness to, to slow down and be like, man, okay, just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not real. Likewise, you know, I think we can, we can fall into this, this math of like, well, racism was hundreds of years ago and doesn't affect what's happening today. And I, I think because I have some First Nations friends and I don't want to speak for them, I'm just speaking my observation. They have been affected by policies that our country took land and put them on different borders, defined mm-hmm. new borders and pushed them out. And they weren't allowed to vote in this country until right. the 70s. And I think that grieves me as an American citizen. In fact, I think that should grieve any American citizen because mm-hmm. it's a violation of the, the creeds and the beliefs that we've built our country on supposedly. And so to go into a, that person and say, well, what happened to the First Nations was hundreds of years ago doesn't really affect you today. That I cringe because I, I know people that have been greatly affected by it. And it's an invalidation of pain and suffering that a people group have been through. And we must have empathy for one another to mm-hmm. identify and say, what you've been through matters. We see you. We hear you. We want to grow together in a relationship. And I think that's the point I want to I want to mm-hmm. present to Donnie is like white, white and black have been segregated. Segregation had its purpose and it worked because we're separate and siloed. I believe God's calling us to be in each other's homes, to break bread, to pray together, to listen to each other, to honor one another. Mm-hmm. And it's that relationship that has to be there. It's reconciliation isn't just standing on a stage, shaking hands and being like, I'm sorry for what my ancestors did. I forgive you for what your ancestors did. We hug and then go back to being segregated. That's actually not reconciliation. That's not reconciliation. Reconciliation requires a turning and a walking together in the light of Christ and in the love of Christ as family. And that's the part that we have to choose to do things differently Mm -hmm. than what we have right now, if that makes sense. That does. So let's go ahead. I just want to wrap things up. We're coming to the end of our podcast time. So we've hit on so many important points. I just want to give our listeners just a very brief overview of what we've talked about. The first thing I, I heard you just say, Jed, is that education goes back to the, I need to know what the past was. Yes. And so and th- important. And then as Christians, we, we each individually, any, each one of you on our show can do this. You can begin to acknowledge. You, you can acknowledge that these things were wrong. And you can, at some point, maybe find an opportunity to acknowledge those wrongdoings before another Christian brother, African-American, Native, Asian, Jewish, whatever, whatever their nationality is. But I think that your, your last point there, Jed, is, is the most important, that, and that is that we can also be intentional. I mean, we individually, I mean, there may be, you know, congregations that don't want to break down their walls of segregation. They may not want other people to come in, and that, that's, you know, that's their choice if they want to. But we can be intentional about connecting with other believers who are of different skin colors and different nationalities and languages. We can be in, intentional about joining ourselves with those who are like-minded, kingdom-minded, that don't look at skin color, don't look at nationality, and, and not just say, oh, on a stage, oh, I forgive you, forgive me, but 
build relationships, friendships with these brothers and sisters in Christ and be, be part of their life and, and learn from them and what their, what their life experiences have been about and share your life experiences with them as well. So it ta- you know, one person at a time, two, 10 at a time, a hundred, but being intentional about learning the history and connecting with other like-minded Christians. I just want to leave our viewers with, you know, some practical takeaways. Donnie, I think you want to share something. Well, you know, I just think about what Jesus did at the cross. Like what was, what was the action that overturned everything? And it's a really simple word, one word, dying. Dying to self, right? Yeah. There we go. (laughs) That's right. And I could go and I could expound upon it maybe for a later podcast, but I think that's critical. Yep. You couldn't agree more. So anyways, I want to thank all of you for joining us for these episodes. Thank you for listening. And uh, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast channel so that you can get all of our latest episodes. We are going to continue, Jen and I are going to continue with the series the commission series of talking about the restoration of Israel and the restoration of all nations. Until then, the Lord bless you and we'll see you soon. If you've enjoyed this podcast from Commission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.